This is exciting. I'm really nervous as well, but it's exciting. Are you? Oh, I've no, don't be nervous. I've, I've listened to your podcast for so long, I'm actually on it now. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is surreal. That's yeah. right. Dream come true, right? Well, see, see kids, dreams can happen. <laughs> Anything is possible. We're happy to be with you, all listeners near and far. And in a song we brought along, we'll tell you who we are. I'm all right, welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here. It is a Sunday afternoon. So what does that mean? Astute listeners, that means I'm probably talking to someone really far away. And I am. So all the way uh, from Corby, UK, I'd like to welcome our guest today, uh, Nick Morfit. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hello. I'm glad to be here. I, ho- I hope I pronounced your name right. Morfit? That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's, I've, been, I've been called Muffet and Miffet and Marfit and all sorts. So that's absolutely fine. Awesome. Okay. And that was uh, top pronunciation skills. Yeah. No. 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 Well, if it was, this would be a yeah, a very sad podcast because, uh, as you know, I, uh, <laughs> I sometimes am challenged with that. Um, so, Nick, I don't know. I really don't know anything about you, but I, your email has music in it. So, uh, you're do are, are you a musician, or are you you're involved with uh, music in some way? Yeah, I think I've got like a really scrappy kind of musical history. Um, I've uh, well, yeah. Uh, I don't know where you want me to start, but did sort of music at college and uni, been in like various bands, playing various instruments. Okay. Some of the bands quite good, some of the bands quite terrible. Of course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> for my for my uni long study project, I was kind of in like a sonic youthy kind of like noise rock sort of band thing that earned me one over the pass mark for, for my uh, for my long study at uni. So I kind of failed there. Um, and then I had a little bit of a fallow period. And then in the last 10 years, my main musical project was something called NM and the No Man Band, which was kind of really psychedelic and woodsy and folky. And I did like a, I did kind of a bit of a mini tour. Me and my friend kind of went out and did various open mics and things. Um, I'm a little bit of a musical jack of all trades and master of none. I also like kind of busking the blues. I did that a little bit. I'm from, um, I'm originally from Scunthorpe, which is more up north in the UK. But I moved down with my girlfriend recently to Corby. But I used to do quite a lot of busking in Scunthorpe, standing on street corners, playing the blues and generally kind of confusing people. Okay, nice. I've, um, yeah, so it's a bit of a patchwork. It's a bit kind of all over the place. I've also done like loads of bedroomy, electronicy kind of stuff using analog synths. And um, oh, okay. Well, I figured that had to be in there somewhere because of what you picked. And you picked something I'm sure a band or whatever, a project that I was unfamiliar with, and I imagine a lot of people will be unfamiliar with. Although I'm sure some people are familiar with them. But uh, what are we talking about? What's the album, and what is the uh, what is the artist we're talking about? This is the Orbs um, Little album, Pom Fritz, which is technically their third studio album. Although there is kind of some confusion over this because some people kind of see it as a mini album 
other people see it as an EP, but I think officially it's their third studio release. Right, and and it was their first day actually when they got signed by Island uh, Records, correct? Yeah, there's there's a bit of a backstory with this. I think prior to the release of this album, um, they'd been on a label called Big Life, and they had some legal squabbles with Big Life around this time. They reissued, I think, a couple of their earlier singles, which was Little Fluffy Clouds, which is probably the always most famous tune at, at that point. The skies always had little fluffy clouds in them, and they were long clear. There were lots of stars at night. And when it would rain, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire. The clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's it neat, because I used to look at them all the time. And um, a vocal version of a track called Perpetual Dawn, and that caused a little bit of um, of a legal battle between them and the record label. I think there was a cease and desist order or something going on. So this this was their first studio release on Island. They'd already released a live album, a double live album called Live 93 on Island. Right. Which that, I don't know if you've seen the cover to that, but it's got a, it's a parody of the Pink Floyd Animals cover. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it's got their, it's got their cuddly sheep mascot fluff on, on the front of it going over the Battersea Towers. Right, right, right. Yeah, I caught that. So uh, yeah, that's that's good. Something I, I guess in, in digging into them and in listening to this, I realized that uh, they definitely have a sense of humor, have like a, a little dark uh, black little sense of humor that they throw in there. And this, uh, I didn't mention, this came out in 1994. And I guess if you were just going to put a loose tag on it, maybe ambient techno? Is that Yeah, fair? this, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of what they were classified up to this point was amb- ambient techno. This, I don't know kind of what you would classify some of this because some of this drifts into music concrete and all kinds of weirdness yes yeah ambient techno i think would be a good starting point for describing them okay so uh, so this came out in 1994 i i'm just really curious how does this become a a record that got you high that like you obviously you wanted to talk about this and do it so obviously this is something that you discovered and kind of uh, fell in love with i'm assuming right so uh, how did that happen well (laughs) the the long version of a short version the kind of long version is that I've always sort of, um, through my dad's record collection, had an interest in electronic music, uh, stuff like uh, Klaus Schultz, Tonto's Expanding Headbands, um, Jean-Michel Schau, that kind of stuff. When this album kind of came out, I would have been 12 or 13, and The Orb were my favorite bands at that point. Really? This kind of co- yeah, I, this kind of coincides with um, the big wave of British electronic dance artists that were starting to emerge at this point. There was The Orb, there was Orbital, there was Apex Twin, 
and sort of listened to that prior stuff. That kind of kicked off, and and I really kind of got into you know those artists. And uh, the first time I heard the Orb was on a compilation called uh, Rave '92, which had it had like the Prodigy, it had some of that cartoon rave kind of stuff on there, but it also had two uh, tracks by the Orb and. It kind of stood out from the rest of it. I was like, whoa, okay, this is different. to the album UFO, which I think was their highest charting and most kind of popular album up to that point, and then worked backwards to uh, the Orbis Avengers being on the Ultra World. So when this album came out, I was like really hyped because it was their first, you know, studio material for, for quite a while. And um, I think 12, 13 year old me was kind of expecting more of the same and this album kind of isn't. I know. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. Cause from what I read other fans, uh, a lot of fans didn't particularly like this. And, uh, and I guess Island themselves hated it. Right. <laughs> There's a really funny story on Wikipedia. I'm not sure if this is true, but apparently they locked uh, an A&R guy in a room on acid and played him this album. And it was his first, you know, assignment for Island records. And, the guy apparently was like, yeah, I've got to have this, got to sign this. And then when this was released, there was just general kind of confusion from the critics and from fans. Right. <laughs> and and this podcast should be called That Record Got Me Confused because at the time I did not know initially what to make of this. This this isn't, you know, this isn't really ambient techno. This is kind of something else. Although it has those elements in there, but this is quite a vast departure from the music that made before, which had more kind of dancey beats and more regular kind of four, you know, four, four kind of stuff. Right. Right. And this really isn't any of that and it's not, but it is, I mean, I could tell in a way it, I'm sure it was probably ahead of its time in a way. And I'm sure it was also, uh, all right. So b before we get uh, playing some of the tunes, uh, tunes. It, it's funny. I mean, I'm going to play clips, obviously, but this isn't the kind yeah. of it, it's not the kind of thing where you're just going to play a little bit and someone's going to get it. I mean, it's something you really have to. I feel I feel like this album's kind of this album's kind of like an organism in a way. It's kind of it's very loose and amorphous. I mean, the, the story with this album was they later kind of said that it was six versions of the same track. Oh, right. Six right. I saw that. And um, they brought out a deluxe edition maybe in the late 2000s. And the second CD, if they'd released material from that second CD, then I think it would have made a lot more sense to people because it's a lot more techno and, and conventional as to what they were doing before. But I think they purposely picked the six weirdest versions and, and kind of went with that. Yeah, yeah, right. And and that uh, that is that expanded thing that's on uh, Spotify, so anyone can check it out and listen to the other tracks. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stick to the uh, to the little the original little the album. Original album yeah. And real quick, so who is uh, who is Orb? Uh, explain to everyone because uh, the main guy is uh, Alex Patterson. Alex right? Patterson, yeah. Alex Patterson is the, is the main guy. He was the A and R man for EG Records, I do believe. And um, the orb kind of grew out of these infamous uh, chill out sessions. Was it the House of Oz? I should have done my research on this, but him and Jimmy Corsby, who was the guy from the KLF, they used to sort of um, DJ into the early hours. 
and play BBC sound effects records and various ambient things. And that was seen as like the birth of, of, of ambient music. And then by um, sort of by the first album, there was like a there was a group of people who would drift in and out. There was Steve Hillage and uh, Miket Garodi of Gong and Late System Seven. There was um, Thomas Feldman, who later on he becomes a, a more key part of the Orb story. But I think that the main other person is uh, Chris Frash Weston. And um, his sort of production and aesthetic, I think, really informs the earlier Orb stuff. He kind of left somewhat acrimoniously um, a little bit after this, it would appear. But his kind of sensibility of manipulating samples and the sort of more dark, weird side of the Orb, I think, came from came from him. So I think the two key people at this point was Alex Parson and uh, Chris Frash Weston. Okay, right. And Chris, yeah, he was still involved in this, but mainly as an engineer, I guess. As an engineer, engineer, yeah. And so the other guy that they brought in was the German producer Thomas Fellman? Yeah, Thomas Fellman, yeah. He was the producer for a band called Sun Electric, and this album kind of grew out of jam sessions with uh, him and Sun Electric. And he becomes a more sort of permanent member on the next album, which uh, actually that's maybe my favorite Orb album, but I think this one is, there's maybe more to talk about on this one. Right, right. And then then kind of skip forward, he becomes like a really kind of key member when they sign to a compact records, I think in maybe the mid 2000s. He's like the other main collaborator. And uh, there's a couple of really good later Orb albums, which is uh, Moon Building, can't remember the, the, the year uh, and uh, Cow Chill Out World and Thomas Feldman is the other key member on for those projects. Right. Okay. And this is his first appearance. And all right. So yeah, let's just get into it. The title track is the first one. We'll listen to the beginning. It's it's very it's it's sort of uh, like a pleasantly this this one is more like ambient and and it's trippy sounding. I guess a lot of their music people describe it as uh, coming down music maybe as music you know you'd listen to when you were coming down from the drugs you had taken. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, the first thirty seconds of this kind of definitely cuts the kind of chord from earlier stuff because i find the first 30 seconds of this quite disorientating and then yeah. it kind of settles it kind of settles into this i want to say almost tropical kind of groove or something yeah yeah um, it, 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 there is a little groove in this one a little repetitive rhythm rhythm almost a kraut rock in a way right yeah yeah they definitely where the kraut rock influences on this album i think um there's elements of this album that remind me of can especially sort of take omega era kind of can all right so let's uh, well let's let that start it out let's listen to the opening of uh palm fritz uh in parentheses meat and veg
So yeah, so yeah, it, it starts out like really strange, like you said, but then it sort of gets these melodic uh, motifs coming in. But you, so you as a as a twelve year old kid, you're getting this. You're like, what is this? This is not the orb that that I know, right? There used to be um, a music chain in the UK. I don't I don't know if it was an American thing, but there used to be a music chain called Our Price, and that's where I used to go in and buy all my music. And when something came out, I'd go in hand the CD over, they'd give me the headphones and, and I'd listen. And listening to this for the first time in our price, like really confused 12 year old me because this wasn't the orb that I was kind of expecting. Right. Uh, I think the thing that always bugs me about this track is the opening vocal sample, like right at the very start, that Ego Slam, no shmoom. I, I always kind of wonder where that sample is is from and i always kind of wonder what exactly it is saying right was, oh yeah there's there's all sorts of things in this whole thing that i'm wondering that it makes you wonder where did they get that from what is that from but that makes it all kind of interesting there's a lot of vocal there's lots of weird voice samples on this album i mean on the other two albums they had used quite eccentric sort of sampling they were quite fond of the, the band the tape beatles they sampled them quite a bit um but I've only been able to sort of track down two or three of the samples that he used on this. There's a lot of really odd voices and right. various. Well, there's one other there's there's one other sample in this one that I it's important I feel like to play. So I'm going to play like towards later towards the end of this track. Yeah, I, because I think I know I think I know the sample. Yeah, I think because I it's something that's one. repeated a couple of times, and I sort of feel it. It's sort of like a callback. It's callback at least two other times on the record, and it's really interesting. So let's listen to the part, and then we could talk about it a little. Uh, this is towards the end of Tom Fritz. You've just had a heavy session of electroshock therapy, and you're more relaxed than you've been in weeks. All those childhood traumas magically wiped away, along with most of your personality. So yeah, that's uh, you have just been subjected to a heavy session of electroshock therapy, and you're more relaxed than you've been in weeks. All those childhood traumas magically wiped away, along with most of your personality. So, uh, do you know what that's from? Is that from a real thing, or is that like a that, that's that's from an SNL sketch apparently called Spud, and oh. it's a guy called Bill Bill Wendell. But you can actually find it on YouTube. You've just had a heavy session of electroshock therapy, and you're more relaxed than you've been in weeks. All those childhood traumas magically wiped away, along with most of your personality. And now is that, the time. that becomes time the motif of, of the whole album, I feel. And yeah. when they did like the, the, the advertising and the press for this, they actually printed that vocal sample out in text. as like the main promotional sort of spiel for the album. So I think that kind of gives a clue as to, as to what to expect from this album at the time. Right, right, right. The, the whole album does kind of feel like a, a weird session of electroshock therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that brings us good... Pleasant electroshock. Yeah, pleasant electroshock. <laughs> well, at, at times, uh, this one, the, the next track, uh, More Gills, Less Fish Cakes, definitely more experimental sounding. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of that. It's impossible. There's no way to detect ourselves from what's happened today. Not only we're in a compound situation. 
samples really it's really hard to make them out but the whole thing is vaguely unsettling uh, for uh, to me this is like a more abstract unsettling version of the first track because there's a lot of elements from the first track like the kind of guitar-y kind of riff thing that kind of comes in and out and the sort of burbling kind of like rhythm that's kind of in pom fritz but I think that the most sort of noticeable, uh, notable sample on this is the sample at the very start that apparently is the, um, it's a sample from the, the, the Jonestown tape, like the opening, the, oh. the opening sort of, which, which I, I, I'm, I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Of course, I need to like, yeah, go ahead. I, I kind of feel like this was, that was a little bit of a fuck you to the fans and also maybe a little bit to the previous record label because they had used samples and sort of weird audio kind of junk, but to use the, the Jim Jones sample, I feel is quite kind of punk. Right, um, right, right. And it's not it's not the kind of sample that at that point you would associate the orb from sort of using. And it, it kind of sets this very kind of disquieting tone to, to that track. Okay, okay. That's cool. I like that. I mean, I really like that because not, not uh, you know, if, if this is not a band that I knew about or, 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 you know, was into, but if you're into a band like that, it's kind of exciting in a way. To me, I'm always excited. Like some people automatically get pissed off if they release something and it's not like what they've loved already. But it, to me, it's exciting when bands decide to just go off in this different direction and maybe it works. Sometimes it doesn't work but to, i still uh, give credit to people for trying new things and moving on to different things you know but uh, yeah a lot of people can't handle that this uh, this album makes a lot more sense now than it did then and it kind of sets up the material and the vibe of um, the next album orbis terrarum it kind of it's pushing more in that direction but um this is probably the weirdest album, I think, that got to number six on the UK charts because this album did get to number six. I saw that, yeah, which is kind of bonkers to me, uh, but cool. You know, it, it's cool. And uh, I'm glad that it did. I'm glad that it did. <laughs> yeah, so now uh, you had mentioned music uh, concrete, uh, 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 concrete, whatever, which I, I've read about, but uh, this, I feel like this next uh, track maybe could be a good example of that. Also, a lot of uh, voice collage uh, treatment. Uh, vocals coming in and and this and that 
Uh, let's listen to a little bit of it's it's pa- pasty pasty uh, yeah or pasty, pasty to be grill you. Nick, I just want to say one thing. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, the listeners, if you don't know, we listen. When I play clips, uh, like me and the uh, the guests will listen to it, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't put in there if we talk or say anything. I don't usually put in there, and I actually had a, a blow my nose a little. But I realized for this, I could leave whatever in there, and someone who didn't know the record wouldn't know that that wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> that wasn't part you, of it. <laughs> you could leave those blow in there because I, I made notes of this album and I deconstructed like these tracks, like sound per sound, and kind of what I've written for this one is where happy sample modulated waterfall of voices. Barbershop section, slam, tape effect, typewriter effect, waterfall of voices. So I think um, we could get a nose blow and uh, yeah, right. It wouldn't. Yeah, no one would say, yeah. "Oh, well, where did that come from?" But uh, it all, again, all very disconcertingly uh, trippy to me. Th- this is definitely the most extreme track on the album, and I yeah. kind of feel like this is the track that's definitely sort of saying, "No, we're not just like a cuddly ambient," you know. Because people were comparing them to Pink Floyd at this point and saying they were like the ambient house version of Pink Floyd. And I right. feel like this is now we're actually, we're actually kind of weird. Um, th- this is based pretty much on a sample from a Scottish uh, folk outfit called the Alexander Brothers. It's a song called Two Highland Lands. You, you may want to drop that in. It's rather amusing. But yeah, they're pretty oh, nice. much... They've sampled like the opening bit and just kind of looped and, and manipulated that. And then there's loads of other weird, sort of uh, kind of sci fi sort of voice samples going on in this. I can't quite identify what's going on, but yeah, this is definitely the weirdest moment of the album. And there's, there's a bit like in this where it feels like the track actually breaks. It feels like the album kind of like sort of breaks like halfway through. Because there's this weird kind of like uh, all the samples start speeding up like really erratically. Yeah, right. And then there's really weird like sort of organ flurry and like tape winding out noises. And then there's this 
weird sort of B-movie thing and yeah it's it's uh i really like this track i mean it, it kind of depends <laughs> on my sometimes this is my favorite track on the album and sometimes this is the one i skip but I, I, it kind of sounds normal to me it kind of sounds like um right weird sort of space barbershop kind of pop that aliens would listen to or something it's it, there yeah. is there is a there is a method in the madness. I think the more you kind of listen to it, there is a weird kind of structure going on with all the samples and oh, the yeah. way the voice. Yeah, goes. definitely there is, and I and I do. If anyone really wants to dig into it, I mean, I'm sure some people listen to. But uh, when I've done episodes before, we did like uh, the, the Dead Sea and Godspeed You Black Emperor, and really playing clips of things isn't. And you really gotta, if you really want to experience it, you gotta listen to it all and listen to it a few times, and then you sort of get into more of at least what they were presenting and, and what they're presenting to you. And then you could decide whether you, you know, some of it you, you pick up and you enjoy it or you don't, but you, you're never going to get it just listening to the little bits uh, here and there. You I, I feel like this, I feel like this album does um, reward repeated listenings. And I do feel yeah, as though yeah, they take definitely, definitely. A, a trip, a kind of journey and the nicely sort of, you know, ease you out of it but this is definitely the the, the peak of, of the weirdness car ride and it's a good car ride the the six tunes are good because it's not overly long where you can get it in like a nice little car ride and get it all and that's uh and that's good you know yeah i've listened i've listened to this album quite a lot in the last week in preparation to this and because it's so kind of short sort of by the end of it i kind of want to listen to it again because i've kind of got into that into that mind into that mindset right this is this, this this album kind of has like a it almost reminds me of Monty Python like a lot of this album it's kind of it, it's more sort of Monty Python than, than ambient houses so there's a really sort of weird surreal kind of not satirical but there's that like this kind of very British sort of humor in this well album. I see that and also things coming in out of nowhere like something coming out of left field all of a sudden jumping in and that's a big Monty Python thing too where things would just be yeah yeah not necessarily have something to do with something else but just still be thrown together um all right so we flip it over this is side two uh banger and chip starts up slow uh and and quiet so not just decidedly not a banger like at first but there then it does pick up so i'm gonna actually play two parts to it but let's listen to the beginning of a banger and chips Okay, so there's our uh, electroshock guy again making an appearance, and it definitely this one is definitely a, a, a slow builder because it 
builds, but it definitely it builds into something. But before I get uh, play something later on in, I just wanted to ask you, Nick, you, you'd mentioned your dad and your dad's uh, record collection that you started listening to. And he was into some electronic music, I guess, and things. So was he into this, too? Yeah, he, he liked this. I mean, this was the album at the time that he didn't kind of appreciate. And he sort of said, well, you know, that sounds like shit. Right. Um. The, the next album he likes a lot more, which is um, Orbis Terrarum, which I feel like is a little bit more conventional sort of orb territory. But I think over time, I mean, sadly, my dad's not here anymore, but um, I he revisited this album with me a lot later on, and I think he got it a lot more. Wow. But I think like... I, th- I think I think like a lot of people at the time, this was kind of this kind of came out of left field, and people didn't sort of quite know what to make of it. And the way that the um, the, the music scene was kind of going with electronic music, it was I wouldn't say it was it was formulaic, but it was definitely going into a certain kind of groove. And I feel like this album is not that. I feel like this album is is a little bit of an outlier in their catalog. It's it's rather strange and unclassifiable oh yeah i would say but this but this song right here <laughs> does go into some kind of uh, like a groove like a shuffling groove and it's really got a sinister like it almost sounds like a like a zombie dance type thing or, or something but let's listen to further on in banger and chips Yeah, there, there. You could almost uh, picture it being played in like some club, like some you know dance dance club, like to bring yeah. everyone down. This is the most um, sort of techno-y uh, of the tracks so far. I feel like this track like relates a lot more to the earlier material. It's the it's the first track on the album that has a definite kind of techno sort of beat to it, right? And um, yeah, I really like I, I really like this track. This would be the one that at the time. I would put onto you know onto mixtapes because it would fit kind of nicely in, and there's some sort of there's some interesting kind of I like the way this track builds. Well, yeah, it 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 does, and I would say this is the track that kind of brought me into the whole record. Like listening to it a couple of times, and this is the one that that kind of grabbed me and said, "Oh, okay, I I see what's going. On. There's yeah, more going on this, here." And, yeah, this this kind of nicely takes you out of the weirdness and kind of settles things down. And also, um, I feel like like you can hear sort of Thomas Fellman's influence on this. Because he's like really into like the idea of kind of the flow when it comes to like rhythms and electronic sounds and the kind of groove. Oh, okay, nice, nice. And if you listen to sort of some of the later kind of orb stuff with with him on, 
um yeah you can you, you can definitely sort of hear that the way it kind of flows and grooves i kind of like that bass kind of that boom, 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 that kind of comes in towards the end yeah uh, and th- this makes uh this makes like a nice little pair with the next track as well i feel like the next this album kind of has like some sort of weird kind of symmetry to it because you have the first song which is like quite accessible still strange and then you have the second song which is more kind of abstract and and weird and then you have like the next one which is like really strange and abstract and then you have a more accessible one and then th- then the next track is like a more kind of ambient version of of this there's a weird sort there, there is sort of structure to this album but I think it takes a, a few listens for the penny to drop with that. Okay. And, and how, how are we pronouncing this next one? Because I know I'm going to butcher it. I think it's um, Al's Ish Sean. It translates as, I think so. Yeah. It translates as uh, everything was beautiful. Ah, and okay. This is, this is the, this is the nicest sounding track on the album, I think. It this is. is and be, before we listen to it real, real quick, I just want to mention for Americans, for Americans of a certain age, I would describe it to them as the music that's playing when you're waiting in line at Disney World or Disneyland for Space Mountain, to ride Space Mountain. That's oh, wow. Really? And, okay. And, yes. Anyone who's of a certain age, and because uh, I don't know if they still do it now, but I remember in the 70s and 80s, waiting in line for Space Mountain. Think of that when you're listening to this next track. Obviously, but some of that music, I swear, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and dig up some of the uh, Disney Space Mountain uh, music and and play it. If you guys, if you never hear from me again, it means Disney got a hold of me. I did. I I, I like angered Disney, and you'll never hear from me again. So you'll you'll know that's why. That's that's probably not surprising. Um, sort of knowing Disney. Um, th- this this kind of sounds like something that I would play if I was doing like a sort of a planetarium light show or something. Yeah, right. That, that exactly, time. exactly. Oh, yeah. and, and that's basically when you're waiting in line for Space Mountain. That's what it is because you're inside this thing wow. and it looks like a planetarium. Exactly. I need to go to Space Mountain now. You do. <laughs> well, I don't know. If it's... <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's an unexpected consequence of this uh, this podcast. I need to go to Space Mountain. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> so again, I think the, the, the vocal something in this. Um, you know the, uh, the the stuff about stars and the steam is different colors. Right. That reminds me a lot of the vocal sampling from like Little Fluffy Clouds. It's kind of like the sort of harkening back to that. And I, I don't know if the I don't know if it's slightly kind of, of tongue in cheek, 
I mean, I looked at that sample online, and some people have actually say that it is Ricky Lee Jones, the sample for, for that. Oh, okay, know. yeah, because they had a little uh, problem with her before. That was the problem with the sampling yeah. some of her before, right? They had to get a sound alike, and that's not Ricky Lee Jones speaking. I don't think they had to get a sound alike. So. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like they're kind of harkening back to the past a little bit, almost like, you know, Mickey taking a little bit of the past okay. on, on that. Yeah. But in a very ni- in a very nice floaty way. Right, right. Probably, probably. Yeah, they seem like the guy, like I said, there's a, definitely a very wry, uh, little underlying sense of humor to everything they do, which is good, which is great, because otherwise things like this would just be too heavy and overwrought if they did, if people didn't have a, also a little sense of humor about it all, you know? Yeah, humor's always been a key part of their music, and I feel like some of I, I kind of drifted off a little bit after um there was an album called Sidonia which was more sort of ha- had more conventional sort of pop vocals on and that was where I started to tune out a little bit and I feel like their their kind of goofy humor got a little bit sort of too much um but and they also were they did that album with Dave Gilmore is in Metallic Spheres which is a little bit sort of hit and miss with me the same with like the collaboration that they did with the Lee Scratch Perry. That's a little bit kind of hit and miss, and I feel like the the humour kind of derails a little bit, like what they're trying to do. Sometimes it gets a little bit goofy. With white clothes, turned I have golden clothes, blue, blue space, white clothes. Sometimes we got golden clothes. Sometimes we got a rain. Sometimes we got a rainbow. Okay, okay, I hear you. But, but when Thomas when Thomas Feldman kind of came back in, I feel like um, those two albums I mentioned earlier have sort of parallels with this era of the orb of like Pomfrits and, and Orbis Terrarum. It's almost like the kind of flip side or like a more mature version of what they were doing at this time. Right. So, Nick, one thing I've, I've been, I want to ask you, you'd mentioned that you moved to uh, Corby with your uh, girlfriend, your significant other. Is she into this type of music too, or does she just think you're nuts when you listen to stuff like this? Uh, well, I mean, she thinks I'm nuts, but I know she's, she's, she's as eclectic as uh, I am musically. I mean, we listen to all kinds of stuff, right. you know, from weird stuff pop music to vintage stuff to we're all over the place okay so yeah she she does she she does think i'm weird but i think i, I think she things. probably think, <laughs> yeah she probably she probably think he weird if i didn't like this album because it's it's very strange and, and weird and okay well, that's what the one thing I appreciate about uh, Great Britain and Europe is I feel like they'll a lot of times accept things a little more than here. Like you mentioned, like your dad listened to it and then it, it was actually on the charts. And I just can't picture that ever happening here. Like my, you know, my, my dad's long gone too, but I could never, he would never listen to anything close like this. He would just not understand it at all. I feel like it took a while for, without wanting to sound a meaning here, but I feel like it took a while to sort of for, for America to kind of, you know, to, to cotton on to electronic music. But, you know, America does have a, a sort of rich lineage of, of electronic kind of stuff. Um, like kind of Raymond Scott and, you know, Bob Moog. Moog, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Right. But he, he was he was the next album. Morbus Terrarum actually did better in America than it did over here. I think that album kind of got them noticed like, more in America um, than over here. But by that point, the British press had kind of turned on the orb a little bit and kind of storm as like acid casualties and they've lost the plot and, right. and this and that. Whereas 
I think America were like listening to it a lot more without prejudice. So yeah, Albus Terraren was was more of a hit over there, and I think it kind of um, maybe resonated more. Okay, and and before we get to the uh, to the last track, I also wanted to ask. Not that I mean you don't have to answer or anything, but I know there is a a bit of psychedelic. Uh, you know, uh, it's mentioned a lot yeah. with them, and there was that thing. So did have you ever indulged? Have you ever tried like you know maybe dropping a little acid and listening to the orb? Is that something you've experienced or? Well, <laughs> um, not actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. It, Let's say if I would have ever been on a come down, then I probably would have listened to the all. But at, at the time when this came out, it was kind of way before any of that. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that your dad wasn't uh, feeding you acid when you were 12 years old and saying, hey, no, listen no, to this. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can edit this. I mean, yeah, I was I was definitely a stoner for like a period. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And, I'm uh, this, curious. This, this is. This is this is what I would have been listening to. Although I do think this isn't um, exclusively drug music. I think you can listen to this straight and and get tripped out and maybe kind of hear more in it. Yeah, I always look at it as an alternative to drugs. Like instead of doing acid, you would listen to, to things like this as as an alternative. I don't feel the need. Well, why do you have to be on acid to listen to something so trippy and done? It's it's here to give you that experience. This album is psychedelic enough, I think, without... I think, I, I think so, it would maybe yeah. Push you over, yeah. I think something like the Passy to the Grill, you would maybe push you over the edge. Right, right, yeah, maybe. Like, uh, <laughs> All right, so... We get a really nice close. This is a nice closer to the record. I like it because it's uh, it's very childlike sounding and it kind of wraps to me. It like wraps everything up into a little like a weird little neat bow with that. Uh, it's a it, that organ melody that's vaguely familiar. This 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 is the track that really reminds me of Monty Python. This kind of reminds me of the like the, the naked organist kind of vibe. Oh of right, right, Joe. right. Yes. And um, also, there's a there's a sketch called Happy Valley, where there's like the king of Happy Valley plays like weird songs on his uh, hammer organ, <laughs> and it, it, it kind of has this kind of vibe to it. Yeah, it's nice. It, it, it is nice. I like it. So let's listen to the final track. This is Immortal Love Message.
Yeah, so I, I, I think you're really spot on with the uh, Monty Python reference and everything. I can't believe I didn't think of that because I was a big fan of Monty Python when I was young, uh, really. And yeah, I see it. Now that you say it, I see. Oh, yeah, th- uh, that's in even, even those kind of little samples that come in. Like, yes. Me, you. Yes, like exactly. That reminds me of pay. That reminds me of Palin or something. That's right, very Michael right, Palin. right. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't think of that. I did some research into because it's, it's always kind of it's always kind of um, bugged again as to who played the the organ on this. And apparently, it was uh, is it Tom Thiel or Tom Electric did the, the sort of the carnivalish. Oh, okay, okay. Kind of organ stuff on it. I don't know if that's true. That's what I read online. I don't know if that's true or not. So. Oh, well, no. If you read online, it's true. Everything you read online is true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, everything you read online <laughs> it is true. That it much is, is true. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I anything guess... Anything you don't read online is, uh, is you know, suspicious. So uh, when you get an orb record, is there not... Is, is it kind of hard to, to know? Because they, they probably don't list everything, like where they're getting things from. So it probably is hard to kind of uh, find out, you know, where the... Who's doing what and what's sampled. Uh, I guess it, it isn't anything that's laid out, right? Um, a lot of their albums, you can actually find the roots of the samples a lot easier. Uh, and also some of the samples are like on the earlier orb albums some of the samples are like more recognizable like there's a track on the first album that samples bits of flash gordon there's uh, little bits of kind of classical that you kind of may recognize in there but i feel like this album that went a little bit more eccentric on the uh, on the sampling there is a re- there is a really good page um that lists a lot of i can't i can't remember what it's called i'll send you a link and that lists a lot of the samples on their albums and some of you kind of go oh yeah okay it's from that the sample then like woody allen's sleeper which is kind of where the 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 band got the name from as well quite a bit on the earlier stuff which i didn't sort of you know which which i didn't clock because i've never seen that film oh it's great Um, it's great movie. yeah this yeah i know i know i know i've i've always wanted to see it yeah i will i will i will get to it but yeah this this album is kind of hard to find what they've sampled Again, the, the sample, I, I didn't kind of realize, but the sample of the band, the tape Beatles, like a hell of a lot. There's, um, there's a lot of samples that pop up on the live stuff for this period and also on the next album that's samples of uh, the tape Beatles. So um, I don't know if that kind of took the novelty sort of out of it, but when I kind of found that, I was like, oh, okay, that's where they've got that from. And it is nice. Yeah, it it is kind of nice in a way to keep it uh, mysterious. We, we don't know. It, it does kind of take away a little bit if, if you know where everything comes from. Cause I, yeah. So I, I could see that them not like including it. it on, the mystique. On the, uh, yeah. The mystique is good. I like that. Especially for there, there was, um, there was an online forum with Alex and Thomas a, a few years ago. And um, I asked them like, please, you know, p- please put me out of my misery and tell me what the opening sample is on Pom Fritz. And they said, Oh, it's from the, uh, from the Jim Jones tape, which I don't think is true. I think they were referring to the to, to the sample at the start of More Gills. But oh, okay. I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that they didn't because right. I think um, that's my that's the great mystery that needs solving in my life. Oh, okay. Know, <laughs> what that what that sample is because it, it it bugs me, not knowing because <laughs> that a lot of the, a lot of this album. I feel like if you open my brain up. And looked at my brain, it'd probably kind of sound like this album. Wow! And, well, that's uh, now, that's interesting. Now that's I have a great, for, I have a, I have a great fondness for this album now. But at the time, it really did kind of confuse me, and I was just like, "Oh, why can't they make nice ambient techno things with beats?" <laughs> 
No, but that's great. This is this is what stood the test of time, and it kind of stuck with you, and it still sticks with you. And uh, yeah, this was really cool. When you first, like I said, when you mentioned uh, this is what I want to do, I had no, I'd never heard it. I, I looked it up, and I said, oh, that sounds interesting. All right, let's do it. But uh, definitely, you know, I, I like doing these things that are a little more eclectic, a little more out there, because uh, it's fun, you know. I feel like I've picked... Um... I was worried because I feel like I picked a really abstract album to talk about and uh, there was a, I can't remember which episode it was I was listening to, it was maybe the uh, Ozzy Osbourne one where your your guest sort of mentioned that initially they wanted to talk about an instrumental album or something that didn't have many lyrics and they were kind of, you know, found it a little bit of a struggle as to what to say and I was a little bit like that about this like oh I should have picked something maybe a little bit more conventional or a little bit more no 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 it was good and and, uh, there's enough interesting things going on this I think it was good I think you did a really good job and uh, I appreciate it Nick so Nick if someone wants to listen to uh, what's going on in your crazy obviously you've you've said this this is a lot of this is in your crazy head so if someone wants to hear anything you've done where's the best place for them to find that Um, if you go to uh, to Bandcamp um, uh, NM and the No Man Band or Nick Morfitt and the No Man Band you can find uh, some of the music I've been doing there there's the um, the NM and the No Man Band stuff is on there sort of the more kind of psychedelic folk sort of stuff oh nice um, a, a, a single that I put out earlier this year is on there as well it's more kind of um, punky kind of crowd rock a kind of sort of anti-Brexit sort of uh, anthem oh okay awesome but yeah, you would, you would find me on NM and the No Man Band or Nick Morfitt on Bandcamp. And also there is some music on YouTube as well. I'll probably play that on the outro. And uh, once again, everyone, you know, you could find me on Instagram and Facebook at, at that record got me high. Also that Facebook group got me high. On Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. And also, if you want to become a patron of the show, you know, I hope you guys appreciate. I listen to I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and even podcasts I love. I'm so sick of hearing the beginning about ancient about the the greens they take and they do in uh, Squarespace and all this stuff that you know they don't use and they don't actually do. They just so I mean, I hope you appreciate the fact that I don't do any of that. For now, I mean, if someone offers me, I always say, if someone offers me money, like a lot of money, enough money, God knows what I'll do. But uh, for now, if you go to the way to support the show is to go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and you become a patron of the show for as little as $2 a month. It's practically nothing. And uh, it really helps out. And I really appreciate all the patrons. And Nick, thanks so much for for coming on. I appreciate it on this uh, Sunday afternoon for you. And uh, don't forget, everyone, uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and share it to your friends. I appreciate that, too. All right, Nick. It's been a a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. So uh, we'll see you all next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. Everything's fat. We're all gonna hell. Everything's fat. We're all gonna hell. Country is fat. We're all gonna hell. Country is fat. We're all gonna hell.